Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you for being here wherever you are in the world. I'm so excited about my guest today, Dr. Connie Cockrell Kaplan. In 1986, Dr. Kaplan was struck with a mysterious illness that sent her to bed for over 18 months. Since then, Connie has undergone a number of mystical experiences, each providing a valuable spiritual information about the nature of human incarnation. Connie is a spiritual mentor and is the author of five books. She was raised in Texas as a minister's daughter. Spirituality has been an important foundation in her life. Connie teaches extensively, offering five or six classes per year. The information she bestows through her classes invites you to expand what you think you know about why we are here and instead examine possibilities that connect human life and soul in unique, atypical ways. This is her story and this is her passion. Connie, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So let's dive right in. I'm excited. If you don't mind briefly discussing some of your mystical experiences. Well, sure. Uh, I think the, the most important one hmm? is what, the one, whatever resonates with you. Okay. Is the one where um, I was sitting with my father at his deathbed and he had been um, pretty much out of it for about four or five days and my sisters and I were, you know, kind of sitting around the clock with him and it was my turn. And um, it was just before dawn on a December day. And I was holding his hand and I was talking very softly to him and I was telling him how proud we were of him and how proud we were of, of this gentle passing that he was creating. And I heard the door behind me open. He was in a uh, rest home type place, a facility. I heard the door behind me open. And I knew it must be a nurse or something coming to check his vitals because it was pre-dawn. There wouldn't be any visitors. And I turned around and there were these two angels standing on either side of the door. Wow. Now, they weren't angels like all in white with halos and wings and stuff. They were more like, I don't know if you saw the movie. Um, oh, oh no, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was one where John Travolta, Michael, John Travolta was being an angel. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the okay. shorts for it. So go see Michael <laughs> because Michael mostly dressed in a trench coat <laughs> to cover his wings. Right. And these, these particular angels, where they were darkly dressed and they were backlit. So I couldn't really see their faces or their, I, I didn't get a gender or a skin color or anything like that. I just knew they were angels. And the reason I knew was because there was this golden honey-like flavor in the room and there was so much love. I couldn't believe it. But I was kind of a cynic 
as uh, I still am. And so I said to them, so why'd you use the door? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and they <Good> said, question. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a reasonable question. And they said, we're here to open the portals. Mm, I said, okay. So they came around, they stood on either side of my dad's head uh, at his bedside. And they said, we're here to take your dad, but we need you to do something for us. And I'm almost like, okay, what, what would that be? And they said, well, most people don't know what a human incarnation is about. And we need you to correct that. And I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm going to correct the entire human yeah. world about what an incarnation is about. They said, no, we just need you to write some things down. And um, I was really not a great candidate for that. I didn't want to be one of those people that sat on a stage and talked in a squeaky voice and said I was channeling stuff or, you know, I, I didn't want to do any of that. And they said, no, there are some mistakes. Humans, for the most part, do not understand what an incarnation is. Humans think it's like a school where you're learning stuff or a school, even worse, where your soul needs to learn something mm -hmm. or a place where you need to create or burn off karma, arf, burn off karma yep. or a place where you need to do something, you need to accomplish something. And they said, no, it's none of that. A human incarnation is that you take an incarnation in order to deliver a gift from the level of soul into the realm of form. You agree to take an incarnation to deliver a spiritual gift. It's not a doing thing. It's a being thing. So humans need to learn to be who they agreed to be. And the doingness just shows up. The doingness is, a, is, a, is almost secondary. And offer that gift to the world or to individuals. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I'm, I get the question a lot. I'm sure you do. Well, what is my purpose? Why, you know, what am I meant to do? Right. Because that's the, that's the cultural uh, lie that we all live with. We all live with a belief that we're supposed to do something mm -hmm. to prove our value. Because we've been taught that action, you know, achieve goal, achieves goals. Right. And we also, therefore, then believe that if we, no, oh, no, no, if I just be, I just sit around on the couch for my entire life. That's, that's not, you know, that's not valuable. Uh, but the point is, if you be who you are here to be, what it is that is unique for you to do shows up and says, do me. And then that's what you do. I'm so intrigued by this. And this is what you offer in your some of your courses or your classes. This is what my courses are about, is teaching people to remember what they came here to be. Can you give us a little sneak peek of some of the tips or the tools <laughs> for that? <laughs> I'm, I'm so intrigued now. <laughs> you can't leave us standing like that. Right. So at this point, these angels kind of like blasted me into this place that was, it was sound and color, frequency, vibration, geometric shapes, 
I saw no other people there, but I knew that I had just been sent to the place where all the answers were. And then I forgot to ask any questions because when you're in the place where all the answers are, there aren't any questions, right? So it was just kind of this immersion into this place of, oh, this, this is what humanity is. So I, I came back and I, I, and I had looked at the clock, by the way, when they walked into the room. And after I came back into what I would call my default consciousness, I looked mm-hmm. at the clock again and about 45 minutes had passed. So I had been out of it. And so it was like, you could call it a near death experience, except mm-hmm. my dad was the one that was dying yeah. and I was the one that received the information. So basically what I learned was several things. One is that uh, this is not a one soul, one person world. So those of us who use the language of saying my soul or uh, you know, he was a good soul or she's an old soul or that language is um, inaccurate. Soul is one, is that unified field of consciousness where I was sent. Soul is that place where everything is so completely interconnected that there is no separation. We are all emanations of that one soul. So that's the first thing that they're asking me to convey. So we, ha- I mean, obviously I agree that what well, doesn't matter if I agree or not, but you know, eventually the soul is completely interconnected, but we see ourselves as separate. Are we separate consciousnesses? We are separate emanations from oneness. It's as if life force wanted to experience itself in as many individuations as possible. Right? And we life- perceive ourselves as individuals. Where we in fact we're not. Individuals because you know the 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 reality is that we see ourselves as you're there and I'm here and you're not here because I'm here, right? So it's we we perceive ourselves as separate because we don't have the spiritual imagination to understand to understand ourselves as as um, unique individuations of oneness. Gosh, this conversation is getting really exciting. I don't want to digress. I've got so many questions to ask, but I don't want to stop you with what you were teaching. But can I? I've just got to ask one question. How does that work in regards to reincarnation? I don't know. Okay. They didn't say. They didn't say anything to me about reincarnation. Good. <laughs> I always say, yeah, go talk to somebody that believes in reincarnation to find out about that because I don't have any. Sure. I don't have any information about that. And. Is there any other information you'd like to share that they offered you? Yes. So they said, um, we incarnate in clusters. So you perceive yourself as individual, but you actually incarnated with a whole group of people who bring in the gift together. So you're not alone, even though you feel alone and you don't know who those other people are necessarily when you're in uh, uh, when you're incarnated, when you're embodied. They could be on the other side of the world. Could be on the other side of the world. Could be, you know, the guy that you just sat next to on the bus. Mm-hmm. But that's not your job. Your job in 
when you're incarnated is not to get together and decide what to do. Your job when you're incarnated is to remember to be the gift that you came to be. And then in dreams, in other dimensions of consciousness, you'll evaluate with each other. No, how you did. So that's another important piece of this of this body of information. Yes, and this is a, probably a silly question, but I need to ask it. What are the, some of the examples of the gifts that we've come here to, spiritual gifts that we've come here to offer? Okay, so this is the body of the information. Mm -hmm. There are 30 spiritual principles that um, interweave like a, like a blanket what it is to be human. These spiritual principles aren't necessarily what it is to be a dog or what it is to be, um, you know, an, a, a plant. These are the 30 spiritual principles that interface to be human. And these 30 spiritual principles, you, you, when you're born, when you take your first breath, you, um, it, you, you, you breathe in certain number of those principles. It's usually about 12. And those are the principles that interweave to create the gift that you are. And you don't have to do or be anything else than those 12 principles. Each of those principles has a numerological correspondent. And in the natal chart, the astrological natal chart, each um, planet is located at a certain degree of whatever sign it's in. So the way you discern which principles are yours is that you look at the degree of your planets and correspond that to the numerological correspondent of your invisible, of your um, um, principles. This is, so, this is fascinating. I think you call it spiritual DNA or it's definitely in one of your books. Yes. Yes. So these 12 principles that are yours are your spiritual DNA. And they are the, the principles that you are here to be and the gift that you are here to deliver. And you received all this knowledge during this experience. It's one of those things where I was, was it, would you call it a download or you call it a transmission? It was like I came back into my default, mm -hmm. you know, Con consciousness with this whole body of knowledge. And then my task was to try to put words to it, right? So it took me several months to, you know, to, to pull the words and outline the, the experience that I had had. So that's what I did for the first few months after my dad died. I, I tried to put words to what I had learned. Mm -hmm. And then I started talking to people about it. This is, this is what I think I learned about your spiritual DNA. Da, 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 da. How does that resonate with you? And it was probably about 3000 readings that I gave like that before I felt comfortable. Yes, this is valid. 3000. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> 
Mm, it was eight years between having the experience and publishing the book, right? And once you're more aware of those, the, the spiritual principles, it, some people call it our path or our, it offers us direction of where we should lead or what, how we can share our spiritual gifts. Yes, because the first part of it, the first, you know, stage one is just learning about your spiritual principles. Then stage two is really examining what that means to be rather than do. You know, to it is a hard one to be rather than do. Yeah. And then the third part is to let the doingness show up and be, be ready to, available to do what it is that I am here to do based on what I'm here to be. I get it. It's very hard. I mean, just the being and then patience. We're always in a hurry in our society to achieve something or we want everything now so I mean even that in themselves are wonderful lessons yeah yeah that was that is the point of what they were saying it's like you guys are so busy you know thinking that you know what life is all about and what you're supposed to do with life Mm -hmm. you're missing the point and if you don't get it that's okay but we're moving on Evolution is moving on. And then what did you understand what occurs then as, as it moves on? And if we, do, if we don't allow our spiritual gifts to come in this incarnation, what happens? We're dinosaurs. We're done. So once we, our physical body dies, what happens? No, I'm not our- talking about individuals. I'm talking about the species. Oh, okay. I, Sorry. This species is here to advance evolution advance the opportunity for life to live itself in as many different and diverse and uh, um, nuanced ways as possible. But if we can't um, sort of graduate to the next level with it, then there'll be another experiment. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There. And you also talk about spiritual frequencies or colors. Does this relate to what you experienced as well or received in information? Later. Yeah, there was another um, experience, uh, another mystical experience I had. um, What was it? Maybe three and a half years later in which I saw that each of these principles also has um, a certain kind of frequency that can be compared to the frequency that colors carry and how they they interface but that's that's like a completely different conversation so um maybe you and i will have another time together where we'll talk about that sure so is there anything else you'd like to share about the spiritual gifts well so let me give you a concrete example Mm -hmm. i'm looking let me look at my little glasses here so i can look at your chart so when you were born The sun, which is your primary principle, this is everybody's primary gift, is where the sun was at the moment of your birth. That's your reason for incarnating, to to deliver that gift into form. All the other planets were in wherever they were in support of your gift of the sun principle. And in your particular case, 
the sun was at 12 degrees of Pisces when you were born. And the number 12 corresponds to the principle of creativity. So your primary gift is to deliver the gift of creativity into form. Now, as I said, each of these words, I had to use normal words and because I don't understand anything but English, I had to use English words. Uh, but they don't necessarily carry the normal vernacular. Their definition is not the normal vernacular. So the principle of creativity is not about being an artist or about, you know, making stuff. The principle of creativity is about the ability to juxtapose energies, whether they're thought energies or physical energies in a way that's never been done before. So your, uh, your gift into the level of form is to constantly juxtapose energies in ways that have never been done before so that, before, so that they uh, sort of evoke something new in the person who's It's very interesting. I completely understand what you're saying. Good, because that's who you are. And there's no mistaking, obviously. I mean, I feel I'm already doing that. Right? That's part of the, that's part of the fun of this work is that you, you get to look at these are the things that I'm already doing. I, I already feel like I'm being that principle. And then you get to look more deeply at what might be um, socialized or enculturalized lies about yourself that you've incorporated that may be preventing a greater experience of the delivery of the gift. This is so interesting. And does that relate to, you talk about life patterns or life patternings? Mm -hmm. is, this, is this related to this as well? Yes, your life pattern is, is this. These, these principles, these few principles that are yours as your delivery are your destiny. They are your life pattern. And so your only job is to be that and not be anything else. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, I mean, what, what, what wonderful insights. And I guess you're living your life by it and sharing it certainly with others. I'm so, doing best. Well, you're doing a great job. So can I ask what your spiritual gift was? My primary gift is the gift of humility. Now, in this particular work, humility is not about, uh, you know, doormat syndrome or, right. you know, being less than. In this particular uh, work, the definition of humility is authentic self-knowing. Knowing yourself so deeply and so authentically that nothing throws you out of, out of balance, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the most powerful things that was said to me during this process with the angels and in, in creating the words was, it is equally arrogant to think too little of yourself as it is to think too much of yourself. 
know yourself authentically, know exactly who you are. So that's my, that's my gift is to know myself authentically and to be that so that everybody who comes into contact with me has the experience of authentic self-knowing. Hmm. Very interesting. And you were speaking before about how we can also explore our consciousness through dreams. And I know you've written a book on dreams as well. Do you mind sharing some of the importance of dreams? Right. So the work that I teach on dreaming came as a, as a result of another <laughs> experience. Okay, I guess we can't detail every mystical experience. I know. So many wonderful <laughs> ones. We're going to have a lot of uh, conversations, but this particular, the dreaming experience was that um, I had an illness that kept me asleep for a couple of years. I mean, I wasn't in a coma, but I was mostly asleep for a couple of years. And during that period of time, I was shown what dreaming is and how it's different from what people think it is. It seems like that's one of the, the uh, I don't know, the, the goals right now is for people to get over the lies that they've incorporated in order to live in a deeper level of truth. So in Western culture, we've been uh, indoctrinated to think that dreams are psychological events, that dreams are times when we go into our own psyche and explore what's wrong with us, right. <laughs> basically. Uh, and, and this body of work said, no, that's, that's not really true. Uh, dreams have many, many different um, avenues through which they come to us. Some of them are personal. There are psychological dreams, yes. But there are collective dreams. There are dreams where we telepathically pick up information that we don't have access to otherwise. Or dreams where we clairvoyantly pick up something that is about to happen that isn't in material form yet. Or we have... Um, healing dreams where we are being healed or other people are being healed through the power of the dream energy. Uh, we have shamanic dreams where we actually um, um, physically transmutate into some other form in order to experience what it is like to be a bird or a wolf or something. The point here is that when we go to sleep, the the, the physical body is in a regeneration mode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. The physical body's in a regeneration mode. And the spiritual body heads back toward soul, that one, that one soul. This is what to, happens when we dream. When we go to sleep. When we go to sleep. The, 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 the spiritual body heads back to be regenerated plugging in your nourished or something, right? And on that journey, we encounter energies in the cosmos. And in those energetic encounters, we have experiences. And then because we are meaning makers and story writers as human beings, when we're on our way back into, you know, what I call default consciousness, we write a story about that experience that we had in consciousness. And that story tells us something about what we experienced. It may or may not be personal. It kind of looks personal because mm -hmm. the only way we know how to write a story 
is based on our own personal experience. So we will pull, you know, situations and faces and relationships and whatever from our own, uh, you know, lexicon of experiences to write that story. But that doesn't mean that what we experienced in consciousness was personal. We experienced something cosmic in consciousness that we brought back into waking reality. And a lot of that experience is determined by the phase and location of the moon when we had the experience, when we had the dream. Because the moon, just like it pulls on the, the, the tides of the earth, you know, when we go on to the horizontal plane, the moon pulls on our tides, just like it pulls on the tides of the earth. We become a part of the skin of the earth, actually. So uh, my dreaming work is a lot about uh, exploring lunar consciousness, a different kind of consciousness. We have one kind of consciousness when we're on the vertical plane and a very different one when we're on the horizontal plane. What incredible information. What about people, well, me sometimes as well, that don't remember dreams? Well, usually when you don't remember dreams, it's because of, uh, it's probably because you're too tired, right? I mean, the primary reason for sleep is to regenerate the body. Mm-hmm. So if you're tired, if you're really, really tired and your body needs all of that energy of sleeping, you're not going to have the energy to remember, to, to write a dream story. It doesn't mean you didn't dream. That doesn't mean you, your consciousness didn't travel. It just means you didn't have the energy to create a dream story to bring back into form. Interesting. And what, what, People talk about astral projection or astral experiences or out-of-body experiences while they're sleeping. What, how does that relate to your knowledge that you received in your dreaming workshops? I don't know. Tell me more about what, you're, what you mean by astral experience. Many people talk about out-of-body experiences. So when they're in a lucid state, they're able to, their spiritual body can leave their physical body and they can direct their consciousness to other realms and other lives and uh, the afterlife. Many people talk about the capability to do that and remember everything and be very conscious at the same time. Yeah, I'm not sure I have much to add to that. I don't, I don't teach what I haven't been taught. No, so no, no. I, I was just asking what, what your yeah. thoughts on that are. Oh, sorry. I just kicked my table. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Um, I mean, I, I totally feel that, that when, we, um, when we go into the dreaming space, we are kind of in quotes out of body, but that sounds a, a little bit too much, too divisive, right? For my language, mm-hmm. it's, we're never not embodied. As long as we're breathing, we're embodied. So, um, but I, I, do, um, I do know that when we're on that dream journey, we pick up information that is non-local mm-hmm. to our bodies. And yes, you- and I can't wait to find out about this. You have a new book called The Emergence of a New Cosmology. And it relates to the evolution of human consciousness, which you were talking about. I'd love to hear more about that, if you don't mind. Oh, great. Thank you for asking about that. So, yes. So um, these 30 spiritual principles that create the weave of humanity. Uh, I've been teaching that for years and years and mostly teaching it as these are the principles that 
that create your individual weave. All right, so the word cosmology means the story we tell ourselves about why we're here. Okay. They, but it's a collective story. We, have, we each have a personal story. We each have an, an ontology that is ours personally. But the collective story about why we're here is a cosmology. Over the course of humanity, that cosmology has changed, as you can imagine. Like when we were just standing up in the savannah and looking around, there was one sense of who we are. And then when we became uh, groups of people that migrated here and there, there was another sense of who we are. And then when we became groups of people who stabilized and grew our own food rather than foraging for it, there was another sense of who we are. We became tribes and families. There was another, you know, each time we, we developed a new way of living, a new place to live, mm -hmm. we created a new story. There was the Renaissance in which art and music and uh, philosophy and astrology and astronomy, I mean, every science, medical, everything burst open and we created a new story. And then there was the industrial revolution in which we became partners with machines. We were no longer the primary source of the energy of getting the work done. There was a new story. So right now we're in a new, we're creating a new story. We're, we're not clear right now about who we are. A new story is being written through us, not necessarily by us, but through us, because we have become, uh, we've become thinking technologies for life force. You know, it's like life force has this whole, life force has 8 billion almost different ways of experiencing itself. And all of those ways involve an incredible ability to think and imagine and create um, never before thought of juxtapositions like what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> the creativity. Well, I realized uh, a few years ago that these 30 principles are not just about how each person gets to experience his or her life. These 30 principles actually are the tools through which the new story is being written. So this, that's what this new book is about. It's the cosmology that is being written through us, through the agency of these 30 spiritual principles that create life. And I just happen to have a copy of it here. Oh good, please show it up. The, the, um, the book design was by an Australian woman, a friend of mine, Jessica Verducci. So I'm, I'm really quite in love with the book cover. I think it's lovely. Yeah. So do you have any idea of what evolutionary stage or creativity we're moving into? Well, that's the point of this book is that we have to be um, conscious enough and aware enough and available enough to invite it and witness it but not arrogant enough to think that we're writing it. 
we're, we're not the center force of evolution. We like to think that we are. We, we anthropomorphize everything, but we're not that. We are co-participants with evolution. And through, their, through our learning to be these principles, we are giving the, the hospitality to the new story through our lives without thinking that we are the creators of the, of the trajectory of evolution. Did that make sense? Yeah, it did. It's more, more being than doing. But do we create our reality? We interpret our reality. I mean, we've, you've already discussed that we're not individuals or a collective consciousness, but we, as individuals, but we're not individuals, which we think of in some way we create our external landscape. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think, I think that the external landscape is there to be experienced and we individually have tools to interpret it uniquely. I can interpret, I can interpret a situation completely different, differently than you do. That doesn't mean that the situation didn't happen, right? Yes. It's how we react or think. How I mean, I guess that's, that, that's right. yeah. our choice. So we do have the choice of that. Free and, the more, and the more um, skilled we become at wrecking, I call it as-ising. The more skilled we become at as-ising a situation, the more accurately we interpret it. The more accurately we interpret it, the more truth that um you know is is projected into the world hmm. if we if we remain unskilled thinkers and unskilled interpreters we will just continue can continue to um sort of recycle lies back into the cultural system but if we learn to re to compost those lies rather than recycling them back into the system we um we're interjecting truth into the human system. Because ultimately, I guess, what it means is when we evolve or when we heal ourselves, we're healing the collective consciousness that we are. Is that correct? Well, what do you mean by heal? I mean, heal or help it evolve. Well, I, I, th I think that's part of what um, these angels were asking me to really address. We have to get, excuse me, we have to get over our um, addiction to anthropomorphizing everything. In other words, we don't help evolution, but we make evolution possible by expressing itself through us. kind of tricky right no i get it but you know I, I i completely understand what you're saying it, it is yes i'm thinking about it but i absolutely love the be more than the doing part it's i think that's essential yeah, yeah and the thing about that is that there's there's a i don't know there's kind of an innate fear around talking about being rather than doing you know people like i don't know i i gotta 
I got to make a living. I've got to bring money home. I've got yes. to. I or you're lazy, or I mean, there's so yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't look lazy, right? I can't look right um, because there's not just the very basic trust in life. <laughs> so, what right. do you say to those people that say, "Well, I do. You know, I have to work, and I have. I need to earn money, and all the other factors and comments that they might make." I say, the things that you are to do, the things that are unique to you. I mean, every person is unique. That's true. That doesn't mean we're separate. It means that we're unique. And every person's uniqueness can do something that nobody else can do. Mm -hmm. If you are available to your own uniqueness, if you are willing to be your uniqueness, believe me, there's plenty of stuff for that unique thing to do. But if you're busy thinking up stuff to do so that culture will think you're busy or culture will think you're productive or culture will give you enough money to pay for the house that you want to live in or whatever, you're being willful and you're missing your whole life, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I can use myself as an example, although most people just say, well, I don't have, you know, mystical experiences. But that's that, was, other that's that other voice. <laughs> I was in television production and I was um, happy. I had a great life. I had a great house. I had a great husband. I had a great kid. I had a, you know, sob convertible. I mean, hey, dude. And then everything changed. Not everything. I mean, I still have a, hus a great husband and great kids and whatever, but you the, got sick, but, but I got sick and I could no longer do that career. That career was done. It was over. And then all of this work came. And when I tell you I am busier than I have ever been. And actually I, I, I probably, I don't know, but I'm probably making more money than I've ever made because I'm doing what is unique to me to do. That was really in, in, a, in alignment with your special gift, spiritual gift that you've come here for. Apparently. I don't know. It just, it, it, I'm doing what has been showing up over the years for me to do. The next thing is. I get it. I'm learning how to do I, that really well. It's taken me a long time. <laughs> It does. It does. It takes a long time. It's almost like you have to do, you have to do everything that is not you. Yeah. Like unlearn <laughs> everything you've been taught. You do everything that is not you. And then you finally go, okay, I guess none of that was it. You know, I'm done. What's it? What, what is it that I'm here to be? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great reminder. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience? Hmm. Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. No, no pressure. I'm have a think about it. <laughs> oh, I guess I, I wish I could just impart to everyone how important it is to understand your incarnation, not as a doing this thing, not as an accomplishing anything thing, but I is a is a opportunity to express life 
in a way that no one else has ever. This is completely your incarnation. That's, that's what I would love for everybody to know. Yeah, well, that's a great way to end the show. And anyone that's looking to find you, all your details will be in the show notes. Dr. Connie Kaplan, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you. I'm going to think more about that being. That's a great tip. We often forget that. Yes, of course. <laughs> thank thank you, you so much. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.